So Money Episode 583, Lolly Daskal, author of The Leadership Gap. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. What can you do today so that you will be smarter tomorrow? You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. I'm really excited for today's guest. She is someone the Huffington Post has entitled the most inspiring woman in the world. And she is constantly on the pursuit of learning and growing. She asks herself, what can I do today to be smarter tomorrow? And to that end, she reads at least one book per day. Can you believe it? (laughs) Lolly Daskal is here and her new book is called The Leadership Gap. What gets between you and your greatness? And it's making headlines. Inc. Magazine calls the number one leadership book, hands down. Lolly is a highly sought after executive leadership coach and founder of the company Lead From Within. I'm always grateful when my guests go deep on the show and Lolly spares us no details. She talks about her financial mindset as the child of Holocaust survivors. Never talk about money, she was taught. So how has that influenced her today as a mother and as an entrepreneur? That and so much more, including Lolly's take on true leadership and what are the two factors that equate to confidence? Here is Lolly Daskal. Lolly Daskal, welcome to So Money. I'm really happy to reconnect with you on the show. I know we've been you know, crossing paths a few times in the real world. Always lovely to see you at events. And now I'm honored to have you on the show. Welcome. It's a true honor to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Me as well. You know, for everyone listening, Lolly is a very prolific writer and she has a new book out called Leadership Gap. What gets you between you and your greatness? Inc. Magazine called it the number one leadership book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And it has, it's not even out yet. <laughs> <laughs> when I met you last couple of weeks ago at, at a FinCon, event, you said to me that this book, um, you believe is, is very unique in that it's saying what no one else is saying. Can you elaborate that on that for us? So there are three very important, um, virtues of this book that isn't mentioned in most leadership books or business books. The first thing is, is that It talks about archetypes, which is nothing new because I've seen archetypes in books and I know this because I read a book a day. So I know what's out there in the subjects of business and leadership. But what makes this different is, is that I have illustrated seven archetypes, seven leadership styles. But what is really different is, is that I introduce the gaps that for every single style that someone has, every single virtue that someone has, there is a polarity of character that does exist within us. And if we're not careful, it can end up costing us in our success. And I end up saying in my book, it ends up costing you in your greatness. The second thing is that is really different is most business books, most leadership books will talk about the how, the what, the when, and the where. And a few years ago, Simon Sinek made the why the sexiest word that someone can say in business or in leadership. 
But as a psychologist and as a philosopher, I realized that the foundational work was missing from the message of leadership and business. And that message is, who are you being? If you don't have who you are right you can't have your business or your leadership right. So this business talks about the seven who's. The third thing that makes this difference is, is that most books will talk about only strengths. This talks about weaknesses too, and it talks about how to leverage them. I believe that to be a complete person, you have to be a whole person. That means that you have to take the good and the bad, the light and the dark, the shadow and the gaps, the greatness and the gaps, and put it all together to become the person that you are meant to be. Most people will say, okay, if she's talking about archetypes, which one am I? Which one do I lean into? And what makes this so different is we're all of them. Because all of them are about the virtues of what exists within us. And we have to choose at every given moment, which virtue, which archetype do we want to be in order to excel? So that's what makes this book so different. And when you talk about leadership, where are these leaders leading? Are we talking about leadership within the confines of corporate America, entrepreneurs, political leaders? Is this a... uh, a kind of book that can transcend the types of leaders that we that we become? What a great question. Thank you for asking that. I've been always asked at conventions, at conferences, at all kinds of panels that I speak at, they always say, Lolly, what is leadership to you? And it'll answer the question that you just asked me. Leadership, for me, the definition is, is if you are impacting someone, if you're influencing someone, then you are a leader. I I heard you speak a few weeks ago, and to me, you were a leader. You were influencing me. You were impacting me. And people don't understand. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a coach, if you're in politics, if you're a Fortune 500 CEO, if you're an entrepreneur with a small business, if you're a business with just one, if your business, if who you are is impacting someone, you are a leader. So this book is for everyone. I think I I said the other day on a podcast, if you're breathing, this book is for you. (laughs) Well, Inc. thinks that it's the number one leadership book. And now I can I can really understand why, because it really does apply to all types of quote unquote leaders. You know, this book is based on modern philosophy, your own business experience. Why is this book so important now? And would it have been applicable generations ago. What is what is your book and what it has to say say about what's going on in the world today and what 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 leadership means and what we look for in leaders? What a great question. What a brilliant brilliant question. Why is it so important now? Because I think we're all leading from a leadership gap. The problem is is that I feel lately that we're moving backwards instead of forwards and My book is about the virtues. My book is about who you are being as a person. If you're a person that honesty is important to you, integrity is important to you, being courageous is important to you, loyalty and all these wonderful seven virtues that I talk about in the book, you wouldn't be hurting individuals. You wouldn't be segregating or pointing people out. You wouldn't be taking advantage of the poor and you wouldn't be doing things that end up you know, costing us in being, I would say, being a great nation, right? We stand for, we we think about ourselves as America's great. 
then we have to include the poor, the rich, everyone. And this book is about virtues. If we, if, and, and, you know, it goes back to philosophy, it goes back to the foundational work, treat others the way you want to be treated. I don't think that's happening today, either in corporate America or in leadership. Money mucks things up, doesn't it, Lolly? I mean, to hear you talk about the importance of of being virtuous, yes, I'm all about that. And I don't think anybody would disagree. You want to, you know, embrace your confidence, as you say, speak with honesty, embody your courage, all of those virtues. But at the end of the day, and specifically with corporate corporations, businesses that are perhaps even publicly traded, they're profit driven. And so they have a tough time reconciling it's not an excuse, but there's a tough time reconciling making the big money and doing what's right. And so what's your advice? How do you, if you're at that crossroads and it's a very competitive marketplace and it's the difference between making the right decision and being virtuous or doing something that is maybe not so, maybe you don't want to you know, tell your mother that you did this. <laughs> For your not being the whistleblower, not, you know, um, paying respect to your employees, instead being more focused on shareholders. And as a result, you make more money and you, you maintain your leadership status. So there's a, a lollyism that my clients who are listening today will say, she says this to me all the time. And I always say, you know, sometimes what you, you know, doing something right is not easy. And I understand that you need to make the money. And I understand that profit sometimes is first, but doing what is right is not easy. And what is right is always virtuous. At the end, it ends up paying, it ends up having bigger dividends. And one of the things I have, one of my keynotes that I always talk about, I always talk about trust. And I always say, is it on your business ledger? And business leaders look at me, what? What is she talking about? And then I walk through 10 to 15 ways that if there's no trust, it ends up costing them in their business. And they never thought of it, about it that way. So virtues have a way of impacting our business and our leadership that most businesses and leaders don't think about. Let's transition to your money philosophy. I know that you are a uh a psychi- psychologist, you're a trained psychologist, you're very intuitive yourself. What would you say are your greatest virtues, Lolly? Then we'll talk about money, but I'm just curious if, you know, taking a page out of your own book, what kind of leader are you? I serve with love. Someone asked me, what do you want on your tombstone yesterday? That's what they said. And I was thinking, everything I do is service to others. I'm all about helping others. And I have this saying, I always say, greatness lies within you. And they go, what do you mean? And I say, well, every single person is here to be most valuable. I can help you show what your value is. So my whole thing is about serving others. I love that. I think I want that on my tombstone as well. (laughs) <laughs> you can have it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, okay. So you love to give back. I think that's so, so important in this world and it is valued. I mean, I, and, and the thing is you probably do it and you don't even realize how much service you're giving. You know, it's just, it's, it is who you are when it comes to your finances. Does that play a role? 
Absolutely. Are you a little too generous sometimes? <laughs> to- you know, interestingly enough, um, I don't want to talk about the state. The, I don't want to talk about the state. Maybe should I talk about this? I don't. There's, I I um, consult in a certain state where there's a lot of homeless people on the street, and if I'm ca- carrying cash and I walk, let's say ten blocks, I'm usually broke at the end of those ten blocks. And I'm giving all the homeless people money, or I'm saying, let's, I'll treat you to lunch, and five hundred dollars later, I don't have any more money in the pocket. So I am very big on giving back. All my clients that I work with, I make them give 10% of what they earn while they're working with me back to a charity. That's one of the stipulations that I will work with you as a coach or a business consultant. And I'm the same way with myself. I give more than 10%, but I believe everything that I make is not mine and I give most of it away. Wow. Yeah. I heard that Rachel Ray gives away half her income because she's like, I make 20 million a year. What's, t- you know, 10 versus 20 at the end of the day, it's a lot of money. I don't need it. I don't know how true that is, but I would like to think that that there is some truth to that. Um, what do your clients say when they, when you tell them that you'd like to have them give 10% away? Do they, do they? Some people find it interesting. They yeah. say, what, why? And I say, because if we're going to be taking ourselves to the next level, let's pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And then I don't I don't concentrate on the 10%. I concentrate on the initiative, which gets more exciting. I say, so what are we going to work on? Where are you going to give back? Are you going to give back to children? Are you going to give back to homeless? Are you going to give back to domestic violence? What mm-hmm. are you passionate about? What did you grow up with? What do you, where do you want to make an impact? I don't concentrate on the 10%. I concentrate on how are they, how are they going to serve the world? How are they going to impact the world? And when I take the conversation to that, they get very excited. 10% to most of my clients is not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you said to me before we were live on the podcast that you were going, you were apologizing in advance to your family uh, for <laughs> what you may say on this podcast. And I think this is the question where you might get in trouble. Uh, but I'm curious to hear, Lolly, about your experiences with money growing up as a young woman, a young girl. What was a very impressionable experience that you had that you remember that still as an adult, it has has a deep impact on how you look at money, f- think about money, relate to money. So I'm a child of Holocaust survivors. And being a child of Holocaust survivor, I grew up with a lot of interesting rules in the house. One of them was around food and the other one was around money. For about food, you never left anything on your plate. You had to finish it off because at a time when people didn't have food, I should be very grateful that I have food. And the second thing is never talk about money. Never talk about how much you have. Never talk about how much you give. Don't talk about money. Almost like money was um, a secret or money was bad. I always thought money was bad. Even today, when I give back, I'm anonymous. I once had a spiritual teacher that said, Lolly, you give so much money away. Why why are you anonymous? I said, that's the way I was taught that that I wouldn't I shouldn't talk about how much money I give. I shouldn't talk about who I give money to. And it's something that has been ingrained in who I am. It's become part of my DNA. And it's it's how I am, but I don't talk about money. I don't talk about how much I make. I don't talk about how much I charge. And it's something that my parents have taught me. It's a bad thing to do. It's what you were taught. Is it what you think is right? As an adult? 
Sure. Yeah. Today, I mean, it seems like it's still impacting you. So a, a part of you is is holding on to that, but is it because you were, that's just habit or you actually think this is the right way to go? So I don't, I personally, I have three beautiful, beautiful um, adult children. I don't, I'm not the way my parents were with me. We talk about money. We, we talk about how we spend money. We talk about budgeting money. I, I didn't make money a dirty word. I didn't make it a secret, but I find that I'm very, um, it's, it, I talk about money with humility still. I talk about, I, I try not to flaunt things. I try, I try to be extremely charitable and very generous when I'm charitable, but I never really talk about amounts or anything like that. I find that um, I'm very humble when, it, when I talk about money, if that makes sense. Does it make you uncomfortable when others talk about money? This is New York City. We talk about money a lot in this city. You know, we talk about how much we're paying for rent and, you know, just it's like I joke that there's a tax for leaving your apartment sometimes, you know, just because (laughs) it's some $20 tax. Someone's going to get $20 when you leave your apartment. It could be the bodega. It could be the cab. It could be, you know. Um, so money is everywhere in this city and we talk about it and we're obsessed with it, I think. Um, so does it make you uncomfortable when, you know, you're in a group and people are talking about money more fluently and fluidly? Absolutely not. But if someone is flaunting how much they've made or in a conversation, as I was at a, at the event that we were at, actually, mm-hmm. someone sat down at the table and said, I don't work with anybody who doesn't make seven figures. And I was like, wow, you're leaving behind a great group of people. There must, <laughs> And he didn't get it. I thought it was a funny uh, kind of cheeky thing to say, but he just sat down and went on and on. And I said, are you sure you want to talk to me? How do you know I make seven figures? And it was just a funny, I was, I was trying to be cheeky, but. Yes, I know. So, I know those people. Okay. There are many of them. Yeah. So, so it was that they were sitting at my table, actually, at, right across from where you were sitting. And um, I just found it to be funny. So I'm not uncomfortable, but I, if it's arrogant, I'm, I have, I just try to make fun of it. And in my little way, not fun of them, but, you know, I'll only open my mouth for a seven figure person. Well, I'll open my mouth. I have passion projects that I work with. I I work with different um, groups. I don't believe that. I think that one one thing that I do believe is that there is an enormous amount of abundance out in the world. And if we believe that we can make it, we will make it. So I don't have, I don't think money is bad. I think there's money to be had. We just have to believe that we could make it. Absolutely. It it did break my heart a little bit when you told me that your parents, because they were Holocaust survivors, felt the need to hide their financial status, not talk about money. And and do you think it's because they were targeted as Jews because they were successful and financially well off that that is what haunts them? Is that part of it, do you think, psychologically? But we weren't well off. We grew up extremely poor, Mm. extremely, extremely poor. But 
in the neighborhood that I grew up in, everybody felt rich because it was a really small community. Mm-hmm. And if one had, one gave to the other. We didn't talk about being poor. The only time that I knew I was poor, because in Yiddish is my first language, and my mother used to say that I used to say all the time, which means buy me, buy me, buy me. She said, you always used to say that. And I guess because I felt there was a lack and I always wanted somebody to buy me something. And that's when I realized I couldn't have what I wanted. We were poor. We ate the same string beans and milk for dinner. And I thought it was a delicacy, but it wasn't. It was cheap. Um, I didn't realize how poor I was until I became an adult. What was that moment? And what, 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 I mean, now living in New York City, you're doing well, you've published books, right? I mean, you're doing very well, Lolly, you know, and do you think that that you were motivated to become so successful as an adult because of where you came from, because of the string beans for dinner and, you know? I was interesting. My motivation comes the more money I make, the more people I can help. That's my motivation. And so I never thought about it. I could get rich in my business. Mm. I think, wow, if I have a new client, oh, I could do something really great in this homeless shelter. Oh, if I make more money, then I can add air conditioning in this homeless shelter. So for me, it's make more to give more. I think that's very much a female perspective too. Not to say that men aren't charitable, but uh, there have been studies that show that women are more giving, more charitable with their money. So I always say that if you're complacent about where you are financially and you think, well, I I make enough to feed my family and I'm good. uh, I encourage people, women to, to push it, to push it to the next level because then you can, like you, give back. And I think that that does bring a lot of joy to to women to be able to help, to be able to give back to their communities. When women make more, the world becomes a better place. It's an ability to give back. And I think that's what I think is very special about, about females. Would you agree? Interestingly enough, I have one female client and the rest are male. So now we have males giving back. <laughs> All right. Making a difference, Lolly. Uh, tell us about your so money moment. This is a time in your financial career, your financial life, where you really felt, you know, that all the stars that aligned, you'd worked really hard and it had paid off. Wow. There've been many of those moments, but interestingly enough, um, over 10 years ago, I went through a divorce and I kind of lost everything and I had to start from scratch. And it was very difficult for me, it was very frightening for me, because even though I've made it before, the, the idea was, can I make it again? Sometimes you get fearful that maybe we're only lucky once, but I persevered. And the time that my daughter wanted me to come, but she was uh, studying abroad and she said, mom, I want you to come out and stay with me for a while. And I was thinking, no, I have to make a living. And I was thinking, what? You can make a living anywhere, Lolly. You could do it anywhere. You can make money wherever you are. Get on that plane and go spend some time with her. And it was that freedom. It was my so money moment. It was like, yeah, I could go live abroad now with a little bit with my daughter if she needs me. And I could make my coaching calls from there. And I could do whatever I need to from wherever I am. Bravo. That's that is true freedom when you have when you can choose to do whatever it is you want to do and not regret it. Did you or do- not or not have it 
pay a price for it. Right. I could get on a plane and I could spend the time with her and still work if I needed to, but I had freedom, true freedom. What an experience. How was that time for you? It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Were you sad to come back? <laughs> no, because I gave 110% when I was there. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to come back. You mentioned uh, losing everything in the divorce. And on the show, we do talk about failure as well. And, you know, a financial low point, perhaps. What was that? What was that for you? Was it the process of getting the divorce? And how would you have done things differently? The process was devastating. There's a famous book called She Became Undone. That was me. I just felt that I wouldn't be able to get my mojo back. I lost a lot. I lost the home that I had for 19 years. I lost the status in my community. I lost everything. And divorce is never easy. It's never, ever easy. Was I at my best? Absolutely not. Did it take me a while to come to get my mojo back? Absolutely. But interestingly enough, I was thinking about this the other day because the first time that you have to sit around the table where you used to be five and then you're four, the first time you go on a little trip where you used to be five and then you're four, the first time that you're responsible to make sure that things happen because there's nobody else going to pick up the slack, those are hard moments. Those are touch points, but they also become turning points. And if you can make it through those small little wins The truth is it adds up and you could make it through many things in life. It's so true. What do you find yourself coaching your clients on over and over and over again if there's one thing? And and it may even have something to do with the leadership gap, but what do you find is something that people – that you identify that there's a constant struggle with? The imposter syndrome. Every single one of my clients, and it doesn't matter if they're a Fortune CEO or an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. Even um, I was doing a talk at a university recently, and I asked, what is the biggest problem that you are facing today? And I, and I said, is it that how you're going to be successful or that you feel like an imposter? And everybody said imposter almost in unison. It was like a chorus. So the imposter syndrome is rampant within us about having self-doubt about ourselves. And it doesn't matter what position or title or how much money you make, people feel it. Is it better to be to have imposter syndrome than to be overconfident? <laughs> what do you think is is probably healthier? Neither. Because <laughs> one gets you arrogance and the right. other one keeps you playing small. So that's a question that people can answer themselves. Do they want to come across as arrogant or they want to come across as someone who's playing it small? Is there anyone who is kind of right in the middle who is confident and a healthy kind of confident and, and you know, has a has a way of you know, fighting the demons, the in, the insecurity demons? So I can't talk about anybody else, but I can talk about myself. And I have learned to really celebrate my confidence. And the way I do that is because people think that confidence is standing in front of the mirror and, you know, reciting mantras. I saw a Wall Street Journal article the other day that says, you want to be successful? Recite mantras of confidence. And I thought, wow, that's missing the point. 
So, and I'm actually, I love her. I always read all her articles. So I just thought everything else she writes is great, but I just thought we needed something else. It's almost like many years ago when The Secret came out, when they were telling people, just imagine it and it will happen. And I thought again, then what a disservice, because the truth is we have to take action. Not only do we have to think it, but we have to become it. And the way I do that is when it comes to confidence is that I believe the the equation for confidence is your capabilities plus your competence will make you feel confident. And so I'm continuously working on my skills and my competence. That's why I read a book a day. That's why I still attend classes. That's why I still enroll in college. I'm still going to seminars. I'm still getting certification because I want to work on mastering as many skills as I can so I can show up confident, not arrogant, but confident enough to know that I can do what I need to do. And the second Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was, I'm virtually high-fiving you when you said that the secret was such a disservice. <laughs> oh, okay. True. We cannot light candles and sit on our couch and, you know, manifest things like that. We have to actually get off the couch and do. Right. I do every single day. The reading of a book every single day is an action. Taking class is still an action. Last night I went to a talk because I'm always thinking, what can I do every single day to get smarter than I was yesterday? And I think that's very important. So it's the competence and the capabilities will give me the confidence. So I feel good in what I do. I feel smart enough in what I do for a living. But then I do have the imposter syndrome where I have self-doubt, where if I'm sitting in a room and I'm the only woman. And then I'm thinking, you better say something smart, Lolly. You better say something smart. You know, you have to make sure that you deserve to be here. And then I quiet that voice. And I say, listen, you've been doing this for a long time. You're really good at what you do. You don't have to know everything. Just do what you do well. So I suffer from both of these, but I, I have learned how to play in the field of what you call the middle. I could be confident. I can feel like an imposter, but I still show up. What can I do today so I will be smarter tomorrow? Words to live by. You know, I just gave a commencement speech and I so wish we had talked before that because I think I would have included this in my my commencement. It's so important to be looking out for yourself like that. And it makes, to hear this, it does make me feel better about the investment I just made. I just invested in a year-long mastermind. A um, lot of money to be a part of this incredible group of women, mainly. And they're going to teach me so much about something that I know very little about, but I'm really, I think it could, it could change my business. It could change my lifestyle. So when I see opportunities like that, I just dive in and, um, I try to find other ways to cut back <laughs> to make it happen. String beans and milk. String Yuck. beans and milk, ladies. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it well, is not a delicacy. <laughs> no, but, if, but it can get you places. <laughs> it's funny. When I was younger, my brother and I used to play, um, when my mother was out of the room, we used to throw it out the window. And then we would put like the, before you got milk, we used to put these milk mustaches and say, mmm, it was so delicious. Oh, <laughs> even then you were, you know, making the most of it. <laughs> Yeah. Lolly Daskal, thank you so much for coming on the show and being so honest with every of all of us and and really going deep. I really I think that you know, it's not easy to talk about money. It's not easy to 
unveil some of the things about our past. And um, I really am thankful that you felt comfortable to do that with us on the show and wishing you all the success with your new book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. And we'll be looking for you out. Your This book is getting so much press. Your name is in many places right now. Well-deserved. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. Really, it was a, pr- a pleasure and a privilege. I can't even talk. I feel like I have marbles. I'm so moved. <laughs> but it was, in short, it was an honor. Thank you. Thanks so much to Lolly for stopping by. The book again is called The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. You can visit lollydaskell.com and also join Lolly on Twitter at lollydaskell. All this information and so much more is over at somoneypodcast.com where you can download the transcript, listen to the audio. And if you click on Ask Farnoosh at the top right, send me your question, either leave a voicemail or type it in for our Friday Ask Farnoosh sessions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. Money.